Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Champions of Wellness podcast, the show for leaders focused on improving mental health and well-being in the workplace. This is episode number two. We thank you so much for listening today. Wow. Thanks, Alex. And here we are just finishing up a successful virtual summit 2020 that brought together wellness champions from around the world to share wisdom and guidance surrounding wellness during the COVID-19 pandemic. Today's episode, we are so excited to hear from some of those summit speakers as they discuss their biggest challenges and successes to addressing wellness in the healthcare space. Yeah, so let's get it kicked off right here with our first uh, speaker, uh, Dr. Klaus Kajer from Wild Cornell. He's the Chief Quality and Patient Safety Officer and Associate Professor of Clin- Clinical Anesthesiology. Uh, and he works with the leadership of Wheel Cornell Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital to support physician-led initiatives focused on improving quality, patient safety, and risk management across all clinical departments. And he spoke today or at Summit about uh, the challenges and successes of uh, bringing a wellness program to Wild Cornell. So let's take a listen to this and what he said. The biggest challenge with getting physician well-being on the agenda, I think, was making people see that it was an issue at all. There were a lot of assumptions that our physicians were absolutely fine, even though physicians do grumble about workload and the electronic health record and so forth. That was sort of felt to be um, not necessarily an issue. But when we started looking at it, we realized that there were some real challenges with well-being and that we and that we needed to address it but it i think was breaking through the denial part that was the challenge initially I love what Klaus says there, you know, about breaking through the denial. And, you know, what's so interesting, PJ, is that physician burnout was making headlines even before the pandemic, but really just in the healthcare space. But now it's like everyone is aware that physicians are burnt out. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's something that is common. And I think we're going to hear a lot of the people that we highlight on today's episode, uh, have that same sentiment, Um, you know, and even some of the successes that we'll hear later on also talk about how they're glad it's now on um, the agenda and it is more mainstream while others will say, you know, we wish it was mainstream and it was on the agenda. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting uh, as we further our wellness initiatives, both in healthcare and, and as you mentioned, uh, other industries now taking notice of this, um, how it becomes more and more mainstream and more a part of just everyday work culture. Yeah, and if you missed the summit, Klaus really spoke a lot to the preliminary gathering of data to tell the story of what is happening at every organization, just the importance of finding out exactly what is really going on with your different departments, because a lot of that helped him specifically and helped his team create really that buy-in from their leadership team to put a focus on wellness and to do something about it. And I mean, if you missed it, he really provided some great data to support what they saw when they did a a survey um, on their different positions. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's a great point there, Alex. Um, I was actually just looking up, um, you know, he mentions we got to break through denial. 
Um, and it kind of got me thinking of, you know, what's, what's like, you know, the 12 step program of addiction, you know, and, and one of those steps yeah. is going through facing and getting over denial that, you know, you have a problem, you have an issue with, you know, in healthcare and Klaus's, uh, space, uh, physicians that are burnt out where people in leadership and the physicians themselves we're in that denial phase of not mm -hmm. even accepting that, whether it's them or the institution or their peers um, are facing, you know, these challenges and these difficulties, and they need to take that step to, you know, to improve their well-being. Yeah, keeping that so close to your vest, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the speakers spoke to how really all clinician staff members and issues with um, being able to reach out. But let's go into uh, Dr. Lisa McLean was a summit speaker uh, that we heard from where she talked about her challenge. Uh, she's the director of physician wellness at Henry Ford Health System, and she's actually a psychiatrist by training. Uh, and she developed programming to assist physicians and residents in optimizing healthy coping strategies and finding that good life balance. So her summit presentation was fantastic. It was really about caring for healthcare workers during a crisis, which I guess we all know that we're feeling right now. Um, so here's what she's found to be her biggest challenge in her journey to promoting resident well-being. Um, I think the biggest challenge um you know, when I, when I think about how I've approached well-being, uh, it's really been a triad in terms of first, like the culture of caring and then meaning in work and, and then finally ease in practice. And I think as I've approached uh, those different areas, maybe the most difficult has been ease of practice. Like how do we, what are our processes and, and how do we make those processes better? Um, I think it's been an easier sell to say to leadership, hey, we need to invest in this and we need to do something about it. Uh, and I also think that there's been openness from many of our physicians and saying that they want to, um, you know, learn better self-care. They want to uh, manage their grief after uh, bad patient outcomes and things like that better. So that ease of practice is really tricky and it's really been my biggest challenge. Yeah, wow, it's really interesting. You know, Lisa uh, McLean starts off right away highlighting there's three buckets that, you know, kind of she went through uh, executing and deploying their wellness initiatives at Henry Ford. And it's the, the third one that she felt was the most challenging, the, the actual implementation or those processes um, and, and then the investment needed to execute that. That's, that's incredible that she, she's highlighted that and it's actually more the execution part that she challenged, was challenged with the most. And I'm so glad she brought that up. You know, I think that when we talk about burnout and well-being, there's a lot of talk about individual resiliency and what you can do when you're faced with stress and faced with challenges. And I'm so glad that she brought up ease of practice here. And uh, I know later she talks about uh, more specifics, like you mentioned, PJ, um, but definitely some environmental factors that are involved and just the the workload that takes uh, into effect and the process of, you know, the EHRs and can create such a, a huge source of stress for people. So it's really that balancing act of obviously building up certain resiliency in different ways, but definitely looking at those environmental factors and how do you approach those and keeping your stress levels as low as possible.
Yeah, and you know, and that kind of leads right into um, another speaker, Sarah Prom, uh, from Vital Work Life, um, and and her challenge. And I won't I won't give it away, but I think we should just jump right into her um, and what she says because it kind of ties to the same point of you know just getting it rolled out, convincing problem people that there is a problem, um, and it's kind of that that symbiotic between you know uh, combination of what. Dr. Klaus and Dr. Lisa McLean are speaking to. Um, and so uh, Sarah Prom uh, started with Vital Work Life as a national behavioral health consulting practice uh, supporting all dimensions of well-being in the workplace uh, in 2014 and has over 15 years of counseling, coaching, training, and mediation experience. Uh, her summit presentation focused on learnings from a formalized advocate program to drive organizational well-being. And here's her take on the biggest challenge with physician well-being. I think one of the biggest challenges whenever we talk about well-being is convincing people that it's important to focus on their own. Uh, we, most of us in the helping profession, like to focus on helping other people identify areas of well-being and taking care of themselves. And we like to make sure that people are really doing that inward look um, to say that it's most important that I take care of myself too, uh, sometimes even first, to be able to, to do our best in taking care of others. So noticing what in our well-being needs attention um, and needs some support can make us better able to support others' well-being around us. Oh, self, self-awareness. I mean, PJ, I can't tell you, I've spoken to a lot of champions. I know you have as well. I still, I get it, but I still don't understand why the medical community has such a hard time helping themselves. I know that they've been trained to put patient care first and they don't want to take that step to look inward and ask themselves, hey, am I okay? What can I do to make sure I'm okay? They're just so dedicated to the task at hand. They're so dedicated to their teams. They're so dedicated to patients and just not taking that time to say, you know what? I'm not okay today. Or maybe I haven't been okay all week, all month, all year. You know, what can I do? And I think that she's, Sarah is absolutely right here that there is this certain level, especially with the medical community of just, this is how it is. This is the environment I'm working in. This is what I got myself into. And it goes with the territory that I'm not supposed to look out for myself and supposed to look out for others. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of our work over uh, or my work with the well-being index, uh, we talk a lot about bringing the physician or the healthcare worker uh, from pre-contemplative to contemplative stage of just being aware that, hey, you know, some of these things you're feeling or struggling with, you're actually scoring in, in one of these dimensions of well-being and burnout below average, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it's compared to your peers in a similar work environment that, that you're not, you know, at average or above. And it's that awareness that's kind of that first step to being able to improve. And, and you know, I think, you know, part of uh, a physician and healthcare worker that, you know, these, these you know, champions of wellness uh, that we've heard so far today have, are, are dealing with, um, they go through a training and, and it's their culture to put everyone first. Uh, the patient, the health system, their job, that that's the part of the training and the process they go through to become 
working in that healthcare space and, and their family is probably second. And then, and then it's themselves that then is, is mm-hmm. then third, third on that list, if not further down the totem pole. So, um, you know, as, as Sarah's mentioning that self-awareness is, is a big part of it. And then also convincing leadership and convincing people to actually take a step and, and to do, to, to do the action, you know, and kind of back to what Lisa McLean's mentioning is that, that, uh, that ease of implementation and mm-hmm. ease of practice and, and actually getting it, uh, these tactics implemented uh, to where they actually can have good positive impact and change. Absolutely. That's spot on, PJ. And Sarah Prom works at Vital Work Life, and their only job is to help with facili- uh, physician wellness and facilitate programs to aid in that. So this is a thing. I mean, it's it's not like uh, everyone is suffering alone and it's only their, their problem and what's wrong with them. It's like this is an absolute countrywide, worldwide issue. And that's why there are tools uh, like Vital Work Life and companies that are trying to combat burnout and facilitate programs. So uh, I would like to lead into our next speaker. This is uh, Dr. Wendy Lane. She is the director Director of Wellness for the Emergency Physicians Professional Association. She's also the chair, uh, she chairs the women's group, the Combating uh, Burnout Committee and the Social Committee, along with serving as the Assistant Medical Director for Mercy Hospital Unity Campus. And Dr. Wendy Lane, she has been instrumental in creating many programs within her group and partnering with others, such as the Wellbeing Index that you mentioned earlier, PJ, and the University of Minnesota Master's Health Coaching Program. And what she spoke about was her journey of a wellness director, which has definitely been a position that has just come out really in recent years. If you look at the entire history of medical practice, uh, that wellness director position is up and coming and only improving with time. And here is what she considered to be her her biggest challenge? I think my biggest challenge has been um, finding that there's been some backlash. Wellness has become almost a trigger word for some people. And uh, I mean, luckily, most people still aren't burned out. And so for the people who aren't burned out, you know, I've had a couple of responses that have been similar to, can't we just keep doing our job? Like, why do we have to keep talking about this wellness business? So one challenge has been, you know, showing my value to the people who aren't burned out as well. Wow. Backlash when it comes <laughs> to wellness. I mean, that's a scary thought altogether when, you know, as, as Wendy is there to help and be someone that's there to facilitate, um, she's met with, you know, wellness is a, you know, a bad word and, and, and mm-hmm. people are getting triggered off that. Um, but one thing I do find very interesting about what she said was, you know, how do wellness directors, people trying to, you know, move wellness initiative forward at their, you know, institution or their, their companies, uh, how do they provide value and show, you know, things or or utilize the ones that do have a good, you know, well-being or, or have it kind of figured out and have that good balance or whatever that might be. Um, where, where do chief wellness officers, you know, provide value to those people? You know, I, we, mm-hmm. we, we understand it's, uh, they're there to, to, to catch the ones that are struggling the most and provide pathways for, for those type of people to get help. But what about the ones that, you know, already are doing really well? How, how do they enhance or utilize those individuals, um, in their wellness to provide that value? Like she says, that's, that's really interesting. 
Mm-hmm. And I, it's similar to, I think we can all relate to this, is you think about the COVID-19 pandemic and we've been going through this for so long that people are sick of it. Like they're just sick of hearing about it. They're sick of talking about it. They're so over it, right? And I think that's what's happened a lot with physician. When you hear the word burnout, people are thinking, oh my God, I know people are burned out. And it just, it weakens the conversation, right? And like you said, PJ, there's that other side where people might be doing well. They might be flourishing in the practice that they're in, but remembering that you are uh, you need that team element as well. You know, you only get stronger if you work together as a group, especially in medical practice. You rely so much on your team. And if you have even one person who is really struggling, I mean, building that person up builds the team up, right? So I think that's one thing that uh, Wendy definitely spoke to in the rest of her uh, summit presentation is finding ways to just elevate the entire group and just make wellness not just a buzzword anymore, but making wellness just the norm. Yeah, yep, I totally agree. And that, you know, we we will hear um, some other summit speakers talk about, you know, what they want to see in the future in the next five years. Um, and a lot of that ties into that where wellness and well-being is mainstream. And um, so I think that, you know, what what Wendy Lane has said here is is really impactful on the front of this backlash and mm-hmm. and, then, and then the value to those who are doing well. Um, and and it, my first initial thought is, well, you know, it kind of reminds me of the vital work-life presentation and the advocacy program, you know, where, okay. you yep. know, maybe that's where you, you know, provide value through fulfillment of someone that is doing well and, and you know, feels like their well-being and their their work-life balance and and their career and everything is is as best as it can be and, and their loving life and everything's great well how, how how do we get them to help those that um aren't in that situation yet or you know might might need a a peer to be there as well and that reminds me of the vital work life uh presentation that sarah prom did on that advocacy program mm-hmm. Well, we're going to switch gears a little bit here. We don't want to depress you listeners too much with just the challenges of well-being. We all know there are challenges. There are some happy stories that come out of this. There it's are definitely- not all doom and gloom. <laughs> It definitely is not. We have uh, our leaders that spoke at the summit, and they did such a nice job uh, about the successes that they've seen. Yeah, and so uh, we'll loop right back around uh, to Dr. Klaus Gajer, uh and, and hear what his biggest success has been. Again, I think that simply getting this on the agenda, starting to look at our various programs through the lens of how does it affect physician well-being, uh, that alone has been a huge leap forward. So I would say that getting it to be a part of the conversation at this point is our biggest accomplishment. And boy, is it a part of the conversation. My goodness. I mean, I mentioned earlier that everybody is talking about, especially the frontline workers in healthcare and how they are struggling, they're burnt out. But as Klaus mentioned here, it was important before the pandemic. It's been important throughout the entire history of medical practice, but really only got the spotlight it's deserved in recent years. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, with us coming right out of Virtual Summit, we saw that with the overwhelming response for participation, uh, people registering, sharing, getting involved um, on how much more, you know, and, and I've been with the Wellbeing Index, you know, five plus years now. Um, and in five years, just seeing how much more, it's less about trying to convince people there is a problem and more about talking about the tactics and solutions and figuring out how to fix the problem. Um, so as, as Klaus is saying here, you know, it's a huge success that, hey, we're to this point where it is on the agenda. It is a part of, uh, you know, most large healthcare institutions, um, you know, you know, agendas and, and, and priorities. Um, but again, where is that priority at and, and where is the level of investment and, and really the commitment to that culture change? Um, where is that in the priority scale? And, and we'll hear from some other speakers that, that, you know, want to see that moved further along. Yeah, you're absolutely right, PJ. And I think that, um, along what Klaus said, you know, just, that's the first step in anything, right? And you mentioned the 12-step program earlier, just admitting that there's a problem, you know, is the obvious next step. And people were, the attendees at Summit, they were hungry for those next steps. So they got, they all knew that, that was the problem, but what can we do about it? And I think uh, they did get some great feedback from our speakers on what those next steps could look like for their organizations. Yeah, yep. Uh, I think we should jump right into our, our next one here, Alex. Um, Sarah Prom from Vital Work Life um, brings a, a similar message regarding her success in physician wellness. So we'll play her clip right here. I think our biggest success is just bringing um, a voice and shining a light on the, uh, the need for uh, physician well-being. We look to physicians and healthcare providers as those that um, just kind of are, are endless um, supplies of energy for other people. And I think we've been able to, to identify the fact that uh, they need support and they need um, their well-being taken care of as well. And through some of the solutions that we have, and most particularly through the development of this advocate program, we've been able to say that there are different needs, different avenues um, that physicians respond to and um, need in order to be able to address their well-being. And we've been able to see success in, in reaching them in a way that really speaks to them. Yeah, one thing I love, um, I loved about her presentation is, and what she just said there was that support comes in many different forms. You know, there's not like one silver bullet that's going to instantly improve wellness for every physician, every nurse, every employee, right? Um, but I think the important thing is that it doesn't have to start off with this multi-million dollar project. I mean, I talked to a lot of champions who just started small. You know, they didn't they didn't know where to start, but they knew they had to start. They knew they had to do something. So a lot of them would do things like a daily huddle just to check in with their team, ask, how are you doing? Maybe it was one-on-one, -on -one, maybe it was group, or they provided a designated space where they could have some calm and quiet, uh, knowing that they were going to have a rough shift, a rough day. And uh, I, again, anything and anything you do to just let your team know that you are there and you are listening. Yeah, I think a lot can be said um, as, you know, being a leader, um, just starting off with something, showing that we're at least aware, conscious of this, and we're doing our best efforts with, you know, 
maybe it's it is like you said a small budget to kick off we're we're a wellness committee of one this is what we're going to invest mm -hmm. in this this year as we grow this and as we see results you know we can further that investment but i think like you said taking that first step um is 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 incredibly important um and and like you said and sarah leads into here is support does come in many different forms uh and that's why I'm a firm believer in, in the well-being index's history of keeping that anonymous survey to get that anonymous feedback and honest feedback back from your physicians um, and your healthcare workers to help kind of guide your wellness efforts. Mm-hmm. Well, that uh, leads us right into Wendy Lane. I love Wendy's message here on her biggest success on her well-being journey. You know, I just think when I hear back from people how much they appreciate what I've been doing, um, that obviously feels feels really good. And when I think about how, you know, our company, um, we have almost 500,000 patient visits a year. So I like to think about the fact that if I'm making the lives of, you know, my partners better and they're having better interactions and visits with their patients, we're making a big difference within the, this greater area that we work in. And, and that really keeps me going. That's great to hear Wendy say the, the appreciation that she hears. Uh, I know that uh, in my experience, that one, you know, response a year where you hear the story of, Hey, our wellness effort or our wellness committee heard that our mitigation effort saved this one individual or this one doctor or this one surgeon from either you know quitting the profession or something more serious um, that makes it all worth it um, and you know and actually having and making that measurable difference in, in you know in Wendy's case in healthcare um, it's that's what the the mission and everything is all about mm, that's exactly right PJ and she speaks a lot to really the ripple effect that this can have. When it starts at the top, it translates to everyone down the line. And just by showing that empathy and showing that support, um, I think not only makes a difference to that one person that might be suffering a little bit more than others, but it makes a difference to anyone. So uh, I think that she does a, she did a really good job talking about the different ways that she could show that their organization cared for um, all every individual physician, every individual nurse. I mean, she's, she just made my little heart thump thump during her presentation. So if you, if you missed it, uh, we want to make sure that you get a chance to hear her presentation. So I do want to talk a little bit about Dr. Keith Frey. If you don't know uh, Dr. Frey, he opened up day two of Virtual Summit, and he is the Chief Medical Officer of Common Spirit Health in the Arizona Division. And he is a, oh my gosh, I mean, he's got a laundry list of <laughs> credentials here. You know, he's a physician executive, academic leader. I mean, he's been a speaker in uh, multiple platforms. He's a former professor and chair of family medicine at Mayo Clinic Arizona, as well as uh, being their first chief medical information officer. He has over 35 years of experience as a primary care physician, educator, mentor. Oh my gosh. Well, enough about Dr. Frey. Uh, his presentation really focused on uh, physician well-being culture in a large multi-state health system. And here's what he said was his biggest success. 
I think for a number of the physicians, the, the fact that uh, we're actually bringing this out of the open, that we're normalizing the conversation, that we're you know, interested in getting their perspective, their voice into what are some of the frustrations in the practice, some of the issues that they're having with work-life integration in their own lives, and trying to begin to put together some programs to address that. I think, you know, not for all of them, but for many of them, they, I think, begin to appreciate the fact that we're taking it seriously. Yeah, this is great to hear. Yet again, you know, I, I think back to five years ago uh, when I first got into uh, the healthcare wellness uh, initiative and mission, uh, there, getting it on the agenda was the biggest difficulty. And, and now we continue to hear from another organization, another leader um, in this space that hey, we've gotten it on the agenda. It's a regular occurring thing. You know, there's committees, there's teams. This is being talked about and we're working on, you know, continuing to improve overall well-being uh, within healthcare and the workforce overall. Yes, and just the idea of normalizing. I love I love that phrase, normalizing, because it is an absolutely natural, normal thing to be frustrated and to have issues not only uh, with with yourself when you are dealing with a tough case, or maybe it's just the EHR process, or maybe it's a coworker, whatever the case may be, you are allowed to be frustrated. You are allowed to be stressed out. And being able to say, you know what, you can get it out there. You don't have to keep it to yourself. And providing a, a platform. And I know that um, Dr. Keith Frey, he was, he's been leading all of these different initiatives to let their teams know, hey, you can go sign up for this session with a uh, a therapist. You can you can go to this and uh, talk to a group that are having similar issues. There's all these different ways to get out your frustrations without that fear. I think a lot of it uh, was that fear of losing their job or being just seen as weak. You know, we've spoken to uh, deans of medicine and with the medical student environment, how there's just this desire to be number one. You have to be number one. You have to go to the best medical schools. You have to be at the top of your class, the top of everything. And you almost get this superhero complex and showing any sign of weakness is just not allowed in the profession and in the medical environment. So I think it's so important to hear from someone like uh, Keith saying, it's okay. Like you are, you're awesome at what you do and you can still be frustrated at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, his normalization, you know, it goes back to what you, you mentioned a little earlier about that chief wellness officer position being something that's new, you know, well, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we hope, hope that we will see in the future as we continue this, this mission and this effort that, you know, that chief wellness officer is just as normal of a position with any new company and every big company, current company that's you know coming out as your chief technical officer and your chief executive officer and your chief strategy officer you know like that becomes a normal title and position that you need to fill to have a successful holistic awesome company uh institution healthcare you know what have you um and and that normalization then trickles down from from top top to bottom mm-hmm. oh i love that that pos- that title should be in in every 
every uh, institution. It should be in uh, other areas of industry. So you're absolutely right, PJ. So let's tr- transition over to uh, we were we spoke to the uh, healthcare roundtable at the virtual summit 2020, and the health roundtable is a nonprofit membership organization of health services across Australia and New Zealand, and they exist to help healthcare executives network and learn from each other on how to achieve best practices. And their services really include a collection and analysis of hospital big data to produce benchmark information. And the big discussion item we have that came out of the health roundtable was how do they want the culture of well-being to change in the next five years? So we're going to first hear from Dr. Margaret Kay. She is the medical director um, in the doctor's health program. And this is what she would like to see in the next five years. I would like well-being to just be mainstream because at the moment it's still out there as something you've got to justify. And why? I mean, we don't have to justify patient safety anymore. And so it needs to be integrated into everything we do. I'm tired of going to meetings of various colleges where people are talking about the fact, oh, yes, there's a, a non-clinical thing called doctor's well-being. You know, it's, it's non-technical. They put it all out there as a non-something. And I, it's, it's not. It's everything that is clinical. It's everything that is technical. It actually is doctors delivering care to patients is actually our well-being is intimately integrated into everything we do so it's not out there as an extra and add-on so that's what I want to see I want it to see mainstream and I want all the decisions that are made when it comes to leadership to actually be considering doctors health in those decisions great point for Margaret and that's kind of you know what I was alluding to earlier was yes this is you know with health roundtable, what they're seeing is they're still fighting to get it to be mainstream. You know, there's, it still sounds like the question of, is this even an issue is being had uh, with their discussions and the healthcare organizations that they work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so their hope is within five years from now that, you know, they can maybe be where, you know, as, as Keith uh, Frey said, you know, where it's, it, they're starting the process of this becoming a normal part of the discussion and normal part of what a successful, uh, awesome organization is. And just imagine if you went to apply for a position at a hospital or other medical institution, and a question you could ask was, so what does your wellness program look like? I mean, imagine that that just comes with it. Comes, It says, all right, well, everyone has a wellness program. What's yours like? And there's that expectation of what are you going to provide to me to make sure that my mental and physical well-being are okay? So I think that's something that we absolutely want to see happen within the next five years. Yeah. I mean, it kind of becomes part of like, you know, what's your 401k package? What's your, right. your health benefits package? Now, what's your wellness program look like, you know? I think that's like, as Keith said, that that normalization, it gets just a part of the normal discussion of, of, of not only what physicians and healthcare workers and this workforce in general are demanding, but also what leaders um, within these organizations are demanding as well and implementing. Yes, absolutely. So uh, Dr. Tracy Tay uh, was also part of the Healthcare Roundtable. She was a clinical executive director of Care Across the Life Cycle and Society at NSW Agency for Clinical Innovation. And here's what she said she'd like to see in the next five years. We, we have to recognize that without them, 
there is no health care. Uh, and I think we also have to build on the trust, culture of trust between managers and clinicians that are certainly in my place starting to develop. I think we lost a lot of that beforehand, but through good leadership and the need to work together, we're starting to recreate, I think, uh, trustful relationships. And I would hope in five years' time that we build on that, um, that that we work together for benefits of patients, but in a way that values staff. So they're, they're my main takeaways. Building on trust. Now, I think mm-hmm. that's a, a key thing for any healthy uh, organization when you're talking about your culture is do you have trust between your leadership and your staff and faculty? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's you know one of the things uh, they highlight quite a bit um, in the book Multipliers uh, by Kim Weissman, I believe, um, is you need, you need to have that trust and that open space um, where people can feel comfortable and confident that there's not going to be any negative effects by coming forward with whether it's a struggle or, you know, any type of a change to the status quo um, and in healthcare and especially with physicians, I think it's more prevalent because they're, they're governed by a licensed board and there's always been the stigma that if you have a well-being mental issue, uh, then there's something wrong with you, you're broken and there's the fear of, you know, I can't practice medicine um, with this issue any longer. So I think, uh, you know, what Dr. Tracy Tay is getting at is, is hugely impactful. And when Tracy said, you are healthcare, I mean, I think sometimes I got to say, because I am with the champions of wellness and I've gone to a doctor's appointment and I just keep looking at them wondering, are you okay? And, you know, you're about to stick a needle in me or give me a shot or something, but I want to make sure, are you okay? Has anyone asked you that? I, f- I find myself asking these questions now when I go see the doctor right. because it's it's true. If one day all of the medical professionals decide, gosh, you know what? I'm too burnt out. I'm going to make a medical error. I d- I'm just going to leave. If we had all of our doctors do that, we would not be in a really great way. I mean, we would all suffer tremendously. So we need uh, our healthcare teams to be as strong mentally and physically as possible because they make up the fabric of healthcare, and we can't do this without them. So let's go right into uh, our last healthcare roundtable member, Dr. Joanna Sinclair. She is a senior medical officer and well-being advisor and consultant uh, for Counties um, Mankow Health. So let's hear what she has to say about what she'd like to see in the next five years. I um, hope we can um, continue to make some progress towards an environment we where doctors and and other healthcare workers are not afraid to admit when they're struggling and and that they can ask for help and and where they can get that help without fear of that being a career-ending or sabotaging event. We're not not there yet and and we need to be, and so that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, career-ending, that's that fear and and the, you know, as a a physician, as, as Joanna is referring to, there, there's always been that fear and that stigma. And so, you know, normalizing uh, wellness and well-being as, as part of what you need to be to deliver good patient outcomes um, needs to become part of the conversation. conversation. Oh. You know what? I, I'm going to respond to that. That was beautiful, PJ. We're going <laughs> to leave it at that. Uh, so there you have it. I mean, that's what the Health Roundtable um, envisioned, the five years of wellness. And I really hope they're right. I hope that 
even sooner than five years, we can start seeing some changes and, and some improvements really in uh, the healthcare system to provide that support to um, medical professionals. So um, we hope you got a lot out of these different summit speakers um, from the virtual summit 2020. So I'm, I'm going to leave it here. And as always, I thank you all for listening today. For more info on today's episode, visit the show notes at Champions of wellness.com. Yeah, and for even more content focused on improving mental health and well-being in the workplace, visit our website and create your free account to get access to the Champions of Wellness video library, quarterly publication, blog, and more. Become a champion today and join us in leading the way to well-being. You can subscribe and review uh, wherever you find your podcasts, and you can follow Champions of Wellness on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.